Welcome to the Nonprofit Growth Show, presented by Nonprofit Megaphone, the podcast where we highlight nonprofit leaders in the trenches who share the strategies and tactics they use to grow their organizations and make a difference each day. As we like to say, if you want to be discouraged by a general sense of decay, read the news. But if you want to be inspired by concrete stories of growth, talk to a nonprofit. Here's to the modern day superheroes, the nonprofit leaders. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. We're here with Jen Kuba. She's the Associate Director of Development at Connections for the Homeless. Jen, thanks so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much for having me. I am looking forward to this. You have cool experience um, throughout a variety of nonprofits. So uh, lots that I will be learning from our conversation for sure. And to start things off, I would love to jump right in with a story about a time in your development adventures where something has been stressful or chaotic or climactic. I'd love to hear the story of sort of what happened and how it all worked out. Sure. Well, you've got great timing because I just wrapped up our fall fundraiser at my previous employer at Lincoln Park Community Services. We had our annual uh, Taste of Fall event that is very DIY, as many nonprofit events are. And uh, this event features a ton of different local restaurants and establishments from around the Chicagoland area um, with different tasting experiences and revenue generating elements. Um, as well as a live program, including a video and a paddle raise and um, guest speakers and so forth. And last year, we had a variety of technical difficulties that uh, ended up kind of interfering with our fundraising goals. So there was a lot of pressure this year to do, do it right, do it well, and surpass those goals. And so leading up to the event, making sure that everything was squared away and ready to go. But of course, with all nonprofit fundraising events, um, things always happen to go wrong at the last moment. And so we were working on securing sponsorship. Uh, We had a $25,000 fundraising goal for the sponsorship, but at the last minute was able to secure uh, presenting sponsorship to take us over that goal, which was a huge relief. Um, And then leading up to the day of the event, um, as we're setting up the event, I realized we don't have the plates that we ordered for, oh, no. for all of the tasting stations. So I had to step out um, to go purchase those as, you know, director of development has to do at the crunch time in the final hour. Um, but when I returned and got everything set up, was able to check off all of those other boxes, uh, get the ball rolling with the event, everything really did go off without a hitch. We had an excellent uh, presentation and surpassed all of our fundraising goals. We raised about uh, 13000 more than we did last year. And wow. in the end, was able to take a big deep breath and be really, really happy with, with that outcome. So it was worth worth the stress. That's exciting. That is also terrifying, but I'm glad <laughs> it all worked out. Thank you. Know. Me too. It's like, oh my goodness. Um, and this is your fresh office. This just happened... It sounds like days or weeks ago. Yeah. So that took place uh, just a few weeks ago and was kind of how I wrapped up my time um, with the agency as I transitioned into uh, the new role with Connections for the Homeless. 
Really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And looking forward to hearing more about that. But um, tell us sort of, um, let's zoom back in time even more. Talk us through your journey to uh, where you are today and what what that process has been like. Sure, I'd be happy to. So um, I went to DePaul University in Chicago and received my undergraduate degree there and was recruited to join the Office of Alumni Relations as an assistant director and primarily focused on uh, volunteer management, special events, and um, alumni engagement overall, and some of that fundraising elements um, in the fundraising process. And uh, over the span of about nine years, had the opportunity to grow in the department and ultimately serve as the director of the department. Um, But also, during my experience there, I had a lot of opportunities to do intentional and meaningful service and volunteer work, as that's a key part of the DePaul University mission. And it was through those experiences that I realized I was really feeling called to be part of a social service agency and be really involved with some of the key issues um, that our communities are faced with, especially here in Chicago. And so I had the opportunity to go overseas and do service with the Vincentian lay missionaries in Chapinal, Kenya. And when I returned, had the opportunity to join the team at Lincoln Park Community Services. Started out as a volunteer and community relations manager. And then again, similar to my time at DePaul, had the opportunity to serve as the director of the department. And then now um, excited to join a slightly larger organization, um, Connections for the Homeless, as an associate director. Really, really cool. Um, such a fantastic mix of experiences that I'm sure you've been able to take different lessons learned from and apply to each of the roles that you've had. Are there tactics that you could share or approaches that you've found to be particularly successful in the work of fundraising? Absolutely. And you're right, with the different experiences from higher education to a small nonprofit, um, have had a, a wide variety of different experiences that have contributed to um, my knowledge and um, interest in the fundraising uh, field. So I would say across the board, um, building relationships and meaningful relationships is the most important part of fundraising. So I found that really listening and observing potential donors and our current donors to understand why individuals are motivated to give and support our organizations is critical. So most recently um, at Lincoln Park Community Services, we are finishing up closing a capital campaign And so we had lots of opportunities to engage with current supporters, but also engage prospective supporters and um, hosted some small gatherings and events to do that um, and engage some new supporters. And at those different breakfasts and in-home gatherings, I really would take a step back and watch how individuals were listening to our executive director or the questions that they were asking to understand what was meaningful to them. Some people are taking notes, some people are moved by the stories of the people that we served, um, and others are there because a friend brought them there. So understanding what is motivating the individuals really helps um, me hone the way that I'm going to solicit and engage and cultivate those donors um, in a way that's going to be meaningful to the individual, but also support us in reaching our goals. 
Are there ways that you think about inviting new individuals into the conversation? So as you, you know, in a course of a year, um, in a, a director of development type role, let's say that there are, you know, 50 new people or a hundred new people, whatever the number is that become new donors, where have you seen most of those new folks coming from? Are there channels that have been particularly effective that you've seen at the organizations that you've been part of? Absolutely. So with LPCS in particular, and I anticipate this being true at Connections for the Homeless as well, um, the best way to engage prospective supporters is to get them to connect with our mission in a meaningful way, as well as put a face to the um, to the numbers of the individuals that the organizations are serving. So volunteering is going to be incredibly beneficial and often um, had generated a significant number of our supporters um, at LPCS. And so when you're able to get in the kitchen and cook a meal for the individuals living in the facilities and really see the people that your dollars can support, I think is incredibly impactful. And just based on the way that the organization is structured, uh, volunteers really get to interact with individuals living in the facility. And so that always seems to have a profound impact on the individuals that um, come into our our kitchen and the organization to get involved. And I think also providing the opportunity for highlighting success stories. And so when we get someone that's maybe volunteered, attended an event, um, or had one soft touch point, to be able to get a graduate speaker, someone that has gone through our program and is now living independently because of the support of the organization, um, or being able to come and tour the facility with a senior leader of the agency and interact with those guests and clients is incredibly impactful as well. Absolutely. I love it. And I love the the focus on let's get people first in and volunteering and that'll show them the impact and that will that will explain it in more detail than we ever could, letting them live through the experience exactly. as opposed to just describing it to them. Um, okay, so now is time for uh, one of the more fun parts of our discussion, which is where we have a mock debate about a topic that is uh, on the minds of folks in the development world. And the topic that we have chosen is Giving Tuesday. And we are crystallizing that question as Giving Tuesday, does it live up to the hype? So Jen, would you like to take the pro side that yes, it does, or the con side that no, it doesn't? I'm going con. I love it. Okay, perfect. So I will take pro um, and we'll kick it off. Would you like to make an opening statement on why Giving Tuesday does not, in fact, live up to the hype? Sure. Um, coming from a small nonprofit and moving into a mid-sized nonprofit, um, both of which are growing, I think that Giving Tuesday is so oversaturated with solicitations and asks and content on social media and emails and so much um, overload from these different organizations that have a need that it's often completely overlooked and the impact that you can have on a day that organizations in masses are not soliciting, I think is a way better route to go for organizations that are on the smaller side. Uh, you make a good point. Um, I will attempt to counter argument. <laughs> Uh, counteract that by saying, don't you think if you look at the stats on Giving Tuesday, I was actually looking at stats earlier today where 
Um, I think the numbers were $400 million were given in 2018 as part of Giving Tuesday, which was up something like 48% from the year before. Don't you look at the growing total amount that's being given and think there has to be there has to be something there. There has to be a way that people are, are marketing it or are being effective in fundraising because that is, in fact, a lot of money moving. Um, and maybe there are unique opportunities like the Facebook um, giving campaign where people donate and it's doubled for the first, I don't know, X million dollars. And of course, yes, it, it runs out in like four mm-hmm. seconds. But um, if you could be one of those people in that four seconds, um, or you could take advantage of the fact that everyone is talking about it all in this one day, um, isn't that an opportunity that people can't afford not to invest resources in. Very valid point. And I do think that it's important to participate and might as well put the ask out there. But as far as investing a ton of time in a day that all of these other organizations are putting the ask out and the hope really from a development standpoint, at least from my perspective, is not just money grabbing, but being able to engage donors that are going to be consecutive donors and loyal donors and have that meaningful connection to your organization and aren't just casually, passively scrolling through Facebook, um, you know, participating in this day that they're feeling peer pressured to do. We want individuals to be motivated by our mission and connected to the work that we're doing so that they want to come back no matter what the day is um, and continue to support our mission. I love it. And I'll just say like, okay, good debate. I think you probably may have overpowered me there. Um, I totally agree, especially for small organizations. Mm -hmm. I think that, I think that you're absolutely right. And that it can be, um, there is so much hype and I think it can be a negative in that maybe a board is looking at this and saying, look at these stats. I mean, why aren't we, why aren't we doing a ton of donation revenue on Giving Tuesday. And the staff is sort of like put in the awkward position of saying, well, it's because we're like a really small right. organization that doesn't have a huge email list. And it's actually probably, we're probably spending more money and staff time trying to promote this than we are actually receiving. And so maybe we should just focus more on exactly. your end campaign. Yeah. And I'd love to kind of piggyback on that and just express, you know, um, at LPCS and also at Topal, we would, you know, utilize social media and some of our regular newsletters that were going out, but we weren't doing any additional special campaigns because our, um, especially at LPCS, the mailing list and the follows on, on social media, we're on the smaller side. We don't want to oversaturate our supporters inboxes when they're already getting hit up by so many other organizations. And so, the, mo- the best responses for giving campaigns are when it's very specific to our guests and the clients that we serve and the stories that we tell throughout the year. And we've just found that to be more impactful. And I certainly anticipate that being similar in my new role as well. And just being mindful about those narratives that we're telling throughout the year and how it ties into the overall, the overall vision and goal for the development department. Right. And I mean, to your point, you raise a great point that in typical marketing land, we would try and share a message when people are not also being bombarded with thousands of other messages. We try and send an email at a time where people's inboxes are less busy. It would make sense to ask for gifts at a time when 
most people are not asking for gifts as well. And Giving Tuesday is potentially <laughs> the only day of the year where literally everyone is asking. So it does yeah. make you wonder. Um, I love it. Okay, cool. Well, that was <laughs> such a fun. That was such a fun topic. Um, we can jump into some rapid fire questions. I'll ask the questions quickly, but the answers certainly don't need to be rapid fire. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would you say and why? I would say loyal is the first word that comes to mind. I think in um, my relationships, the organizations that I choose to support as a volunteer or donor, um, but then also professionally, incredibly loyal to the causes that I choose to invest time, energy, and resource into. Um, Staying with DePaul, I honestly can't seem to get away because now I I teach there again um, and have worked there and been part of the DePaul family in some capacity um, since I was a student in 2004. Um, And same with LPCS. You know, our catchphrase was mission over everything. And I think that that um, is a mission that I'll carry with me forever and ever. And I'm incredibly grateful for these different communities that I get to be part of. um, And they've earned my loyalty in, in some capacity, for sure. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. That's really cool. And I don't know, a cool perspective. Um, Is there a exciting or hopeful shift that you're seeing taking place in the nonprofit world today? So coming from a background in homeless services and and housing and and teaching on the topic as well, um, I'm really excited to see the buy-in for harm reduction and housing first for organizations in my sector. Um, But I would say nonprofits across the board, especially here in Chicago, um, seeing a lot more holistic approaches and um, people-centered approaches that are supporting sustainable change by personalizing their approaches. And so um, I come from a restorative justice background, and you're seeing that being utilized a lot more in our most marginalized communities and the power and the impact of storytelling and creating space to um, you know, build community and lessen our differences by finding what we share in common as as neighbors and um, residents in this great city. Um, so that's something that I'm really excited about and excited to see continue on and, and grow to be more popular among different organizations for sure. Certainly. Yeah. And I mean, we, we need it in Chicago. Um, I'm sure most places do, but I feel like, yeah, um, that is, that is wonderful. And that's really exciting to see. Are there people perhaps at other organizations, maybe in similar roles that have been inspiring or helpful or encouraging to you that you kind of want to give a shout out for the work that they're doing and the ways that they've helped you in your oh, journey? Absolutely. So um, I can say this now that I've, I've uh, left the team at LPCS, but Kristen Field. She's a nonprofit consultant that we uh, worked with on our capital campaign and and during some transitions for the organization's major expansion. Um, She's a total pro and expert, but also just an incredible um, role model and an advocate for nonprofits, but also female leaders in the sector. So she's incredible. I would also say Jenny Mohan, who is who connected me with the Vincentian Lay Missionaries, the um, the service experience that I had, and so she works at um, a nonprofit, Mary Akin Family 
St. Vincent Family Services, and she's a program manager and interacts a lot with the same clients and population that I serve, but she's a powerhouse and just gets the job done. So I'm always just wildly impressed with all that she is able to accomplish with limited resources, limited time. Um, She's really amazing. And then I would say, Jack, oh, sorry, I was going to toss in one more. <laughs> no, no, go for it. I love um, it. That's perfect. Jackie Lawrence Harris, she is um, program director over at Elam Davies Social Service Center at, at Chicago Lights. Um, and she's also just incredibly committed to her cause and the population that we serve um, and has just been a huge advocate for for me and great support, but also for the people that that we provide services to. Really, really cool. Um, And then have there been any, you sort of mentioned a few perhaps already, but have there been any sort of nonprofit influencers, authors, speakers, folks that you've benefited from their thinking around any of the topics related to development? Sure. I would say as far as like communities that have really shaped who I am as a leader, that Vincentian Lay Missionaries Community, the DePaul Alumni Network is vast and wide. I'm really grateful to be part of that. And um, I always really benefit from the YNCN, the the, um, Young Nonprofit Group, um, and have had the opportunity to participate in a variety of their events, but also just have made some really great connections through that, um, as well as um, with my job with LPCS, the Old Town Merchants and Residents Association was just like a really cool connection um, for me in that role and just some really incredible people that participate in the work that they do. Really, really cool. And it's so, I I don't know, it's inspiring to me to see how change happens, not only through individuals, but also through communities and these networks of practice and the learning that takes place and the compound growth over time. Are there things that you understand or appreciate now that you didn't understand or appreciate as fully maybe a number of years ago? That could take up a whole nother (laughs) podcast episode (laughs) for sure. Um, I would say, you know, when I think back to starting out um, in my first job out of college at DePaul and just thinking that if I plan well enough, you know, this particular event or you know, spend enough time on this particular project, everything will go perfectly. And now I'm so very aware, especially being in a more uh, traditional nonprofit, that things very rarely go as as planned. And just to be able to be flexible and roll with it um, and improvise has just been so tremendously beneficial for for me in my time with LPCS and even teaching at DePaul, um, just to be able to kind of roll with it and go with the flow, I think was something that I really struggled with as a young professional who really thought doing everything perfectly was, was like a possibility, but also um, very important. So very grateful for that lesson. And that that's been learned through time at LPCS, but also doing volunteer work and service and, and being able to just accept things as they Such are and make insight. the best of it. Um, I feel like I've gone through a, a transition or an evolution similar to that and realizing that <laughs> it's just not, it's just not possible and that's okay. And we, we keep moving. Um, 
So I can empathize with you there. Thank exactly. you so much for taking the time to chat with us. I know that this is um, sort of a hectic time with transitions and so forth and just wound down a major event. Um, yeah. Where can folks learn more about um, Connections for the Homeless um, or where could they find you online if they want to learn more about you? Sure. So the best way to connect with me is on LinkedIn. So you can find me there, Jen Kuba and Connections for the Homeless. You can you can find online as well. And that's going to be at um, www.connect2home.org. I love it. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jen. I really appreciate you chatting with us. Thank you so much for inviting me and taking the time. It was a great pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Growth Show presented by Nonprofit Megaphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or giving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast network. We appreciate your support. Until next time.